Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McCurry, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Coghill, Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing pre-digital relics. And due to the lockdown, unusually, we're recording this remotely. So speaking of pre-digital relics, uh, Chris Ragg, um, lead us off. Uh, why are we talking about this? What's our interest? Uh, well, um, the uh, recently become apparent that um, Microsoft in, in MS Word have now started um, highlighting, if you do two spaces after a full stop uh, to, to break a sentence, they're now highlighting this with the, with the dreaded blue squiggly lines of, um, mm. of a punctuation or grammatical error. Um, and, uh, this sort of came to my attention and I, I started to think, I, I, I mean, I, I ceased a few years ago doing the, the, the double space. I didn't um, know this was a thing, but yeah, go on. Right. Okay. Uh, but, Still does uh, double line breaks though. Yeah. Yeah. But up, up until that point, I, 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 and I sort of had this slight sense of, um, are we, are we throwing out something important here because obviously the reason that double space was there was for the typewriter era when you had monospacing uh, and you wanted to visually signal um, a change in you know a, a break in the text to, to signal a new sentence. So they've done away with it and it's now you know most style guides now don't have uh, that as a um, as a recommendation that you put two spaces, whereas it was previously the standard way of doing things. And I started thinking, well, you know, actually, for me, that double spacebar tap served more of a function than just the visual visual break. And I, I, so for me, um, you know, if you think about what what a sentence is, right, it's really the point of, you know, if, if, if written language is a... Um, uh, is a record of the spoken word is really a breath. Well, what I was going to say, I just think we're going slightly too deep yeah. into this. Sorry, okay. Because we're getting yeah, very because... involved. For someone who claims not to like long sentences, he's been, yeah. he's been stuck on this one for a long time. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. All right. Because the principle, is, uh, the principle yeah. is that we're talking about, you know, relics from, you know, pre Yeah, although, hang on. Well, while we're on double spacing, though, I've got a hypothesis. I'm a, I was a double spacer, right? I learned to type on a typewriter and I bet Peter isn't a double spacer and never has been. And yet he's consistently denying that he's a millennial. We all know he is. I think that you can tell whether someone's a millennial if they double spaced. If you grew up double spacing uh, like me, then you're not a millennial. But if you grew up, um, if you grew up with the, the old single space and I think just, you know, let's just set, put this in perspective we haven't got rid of double spaces. It's just that now Word does that for you, right? Word is adding a bit more space between a full stop and the next letter. So that's just, it's it's doing the typesetting for you, which I have to admit, I find a bit irritating. And I was it was only about four or five years ago that I stopped double spacing. I had to because it was cocking up like the um, the, the uh, layout of, of things like blog posts that I was writing because like blogger, add spaces and things it starts adding space if you do a double space it'll add a space at the beginning of a line and it looks horrendous so i i reluctantly gave up double spacing but having spent 15 years telling everyone who worked for me to double space everything so you know i, I, I think i think the, the 
a battle I was reluctant to lose. But yeah, I mean, the point the point is for the that I was uh, uh, making in a, a uh, rather rather long winded fashion was that basically the double space is not just there as a as a function for the person reading something it is there for the writer as well and i wonder how much stuff by with introducing um uh, these these different kind of measures how much stuff we are um uh, unknowingly chucking out because we're focusing on one aspect of its function as opposed to right. a, to another aspect well i have a list of these things I have a list right. of pre-digital relics, experiences that the likes of Chris and I would have had that Peter didn't have because he, he's a millennial and only grew yeah. up five minutes ago. Well, um, no, I also wouldn't know Why don't you let me speak either. for myself? No, well, Probably. Will, but let me just tell you what, the, what these things are, right? These are things that I think we grew up with doing possibly even every day, which are completely unknown today, thanks to the evolution of digital technology, okay? So I've got a big bunch of them. Um, obvious one, handwriting, writing letters and writing in handwriting. Um, browsing, physic physically browsing in shops for books and films and music and computer games that you're thinking of buying. Having a phone call to just have a chat with someone. Reading the papers and, in fact, going to the news agents and buying papers. Um, looking things up in and owning encyclopedias and reference books. Uh, yeah going to the travel agents to arrange your, your holidays, um, acquiring pornographic magazines, uh, reading maps, sending greetings cards, um, making surprise visits, popping around to see people, um, sending or receiving telegrams, uh, not using your phone while having debates in the pub about factual, factual issues, having fun without worrying about social media, um, being uncontactable in general, uh, making tapes and CDs for people. There's only a couple more. Wearing a watch, um, remembering things like phone numbers, addresses, the routes from one place to another and facts. And, and lastly, uh, waiting for news. So particularly, you know, we all remember those summer holidays in France where you would find out two days later that the prime minister had resigned or there'd been a massive accident or something. Mm. You had to wait for that until you know, the, till the papers arrived from London, you know? Um, so there's a whole bunch of things and, and, and all of those things, I think I sort of miss a little bit. And the question is whether or not they, it is good to keep them going, whether we should try as far as we can to do some of these things or whether they're deservedly becoming obsolete. Um, and indeed, welcome to, if anyone's just joined us, welcome to the Grumpy Middle-Aged Men's um, podcast. Um, yeah, absolutely, everything there, I, I, I feel a great nostalgia for, especially a couple of things, like especially being uncontactable, I like that one, I miss that one. Um, Peter, let's hear from you, your thoughts on, on, on all this. You know, I don't know if you would have understood all of those things. That yeah, I don't miss about, any but... of those things, um, and most of them you can replicate. I don't understand, like, I'm being uncontactable, just turn your phone off, for example. Yeah, but you don't know, do you? Well, why not? It's just a discipline. Well, That's just Look, a personal you go down. You go down the... Sh in the old days, you leave school, you bugger around with your mates, you go and do something, you get home, you know, an hour and a half later. And in that period of time, you were, you were free, you were uncontactable. You know, you can say you can do that, but they don't. People won't, and they won't be allowed to. So it doesn't, you know, you're, as, a, as usual, your technological optimism is not matched by the reality. 
Peter, um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what angle you want to take from this. With uh, this, well, but, um... yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a couple of examples of more actual digital uh, hangovers that we've got from a pre-digital world. That I think mm -hmm. are different types of examples, but the things that we do sort of use every day. So, um, pocket calculators, right? Um, mm. I know, I know a few people who still use a pocket calculator, Me. even when they're sat in front of a computer with a spreadsheet. I've got and a calculator watch. Yeah, and they'll use their calculator to 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 add up Excel spreadsheet values. I don't know why they do that, but that's one that's thing. Weird. One thing I've noticed. Yeah, um, right. Keyboards, right? QWERTY keyboard. Um, the, wh whatever the reason is for it being the case, and there's lots of um, controversy about why why we have a particular arrangement, but it is a hangover from mechanical keyboards that 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 solved yeah. a particular mechanical problem, um, but we have they still around and we're sort of locked into a cycle of perpetually using the same keyboard layout even though it's potentially not the most optimal now the jury's out as to whether that's true or not but um that's interesting i think um set sizes of paper um a4 uh there's a very, very nice reason it's particular size it is um but thinking that you know most documents are produced now in on a word processor we still this page still defaults to being an a4 page even though most documents are never going to get printed um i, I don't well, yeah why, why is that the, the, the reason that the a4 is a particular size is because um the the ratio between length and the and the and the width is well that's two. only the ratio it doesn't tell you why it's that absolute size though no it doesn't, and there's different standards so the, 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 you get a you get the a standards your v standards and the c standards they're all the same ratio but different sizes um uh, but yeah uh so why why do we assume that documents are always going to be for print and then um screens are always landscape because that's how tv works but most mm. documents are uh, a portrait so your laptop mm. why is it not a portrait screen mm. um yeah, interesting sort of hangovers from pre-digital, uh, pre-computing, -comp personal computing things that we keep going with, uh, with in everyday life. And I, th I think there's a few, there's a, there's a few of those which carry hidden sort of ancillary purposes, but behind them, like the 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 QWERTY keyboard. You know, in the fact that it slowed people down from from typing. Uh, you know, actually. I think again, the, the in the way that a double space makes you think after a sentence and go, what am I going to do next? And it breaks in your your mind at the end of a sentence. Typing at a particular rate or limiting the rate at which you can type means that your thought and your and what you're writing kind of interact at a at a particular speed, which I think is kind of optimal for for producing good prose i think um, we discussed that on a previous podcast and concluded exactly that that actually the constraint um was not the speed of typing it was the speed of thought um look sorry guys i want to um try and focus us a little yeah bit. All right can i just I've, I've got a way of doing that go on then here i go we've actually been discussing we've we've we've, we've looked at two separate things here right we've got two questions first which is superficially distinct but actually is the same underlying thing there which is first of all there are things that are dying out because technology is making them obsolete, you know, writing letters. Mm -hmm. Is there something good about those that we should be striving to retain, right? Mm -hmm. um, secondly, we've got things which appear to be 
sort of we're locked into for various path dependency reasons, which uh, don't appear to have an advantage, but which are nevertheless hanging around. Should that be like the QWERTY? That's the QWERTY keyboards in the A4 yeah. paper. Should we be actively trying to get rid of them? So the question is, are there hidden benefits to the things that are going obsolete? Are there hidden secret benefits to handwriting that we're losing without knowing? But are there also hidden, are there hidden costs to, uh, to things like A4? I mean, like paper has to be a size. So um, why not that one? But it, would we be losing something without knowing if we, mm. if we were to get rid of it? So I think it's the same kind of question. It's about those hidden costs and benefits mm. of, these, of these things, of these sort of standards or, or ways of behaving. Okay, well, let's we weigh in on sort of pick up. Yeah, yeah, let's weigh in on this. Uh, Chris, go for it. Yeah, well, I, I, th I think there, there are. So handwriting is a good example, right? There have been um, studies. There was a study done by academics at Ulm University that showed with children that are learning to, to read uh, and write, um, if they are just taught using typing versus using handwriting, uh, they are less, um, they're, they're less good at learning the uh, correctly spelling things and, and learning to write sentences uh, from the typing versus the handwriting. And, you know, there with handwriting, there's obviously a sort of kinesthetic link between um, forming a letter, getting somehow stuck in your, your memory, the movement of the letter and the actual, you know, uh, it's, it's, um, its existence. It's sort of, you know, kind of getting... Uh, ingrained physically by you writing it and that you know gives you a, um, a, a an advantage so there are, there are little things like that about particularly about the physical world stuff that you know relate like the size of paper that relates to the physical world that no longer exists in in this digital space which we get rid of but we then lose these fundamental sort of cognitive links to the physical movement and the physical space that that, that existed so um so yeah i think uh, for me I, i'm definitely not a luddite right if something's rubbish and pointless chuck it chuck it away but mm. have a good think before you before you chuck it away to make sure you're not losing some of the those hidden benefits so so i think i i mean i've been thinking about arguments categories of argument for retention or abolition of these sort of things of things which are unnecessary and i think we <clears throat> the kind of common thread here is we're talking about Chest chesterton's fence type situations where you know there's a thing we're not we're, where you know we 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 feel like it has no purpose um uh so the example of Ch chesterton's fences you know you you're walking down a, a a country lane and there's a fence in the middle of the road and it seems kind of like it's not doing anything so should we just get rid of it because it's in the way and the Chestertonian argument is no, that fence almost certainly has a purpose that you're unaware of, and and the the so the categories of sort of types of Chesterton Chesterton's fence here would be first of all, um, I think robustness, right, which is that there is something about doing things that way that protect you against a risk of something that just hasn't happened, so you neglect it. So for example. Um, we let sat navs do all the work now we don't bother looking at maps we don't even bother carrying maps we just assume we'll be able to um you know use google maps to get somewhere um but you know the day the internet goes down and you've got five minutes to get to your get to your appointment is the day you will rue the fact you didn't print out a map or remember where you were going and so i think there's a some categories of thing uh, i would say things like sort of 
perhaps paper paper reference books and um, uh, you know maps and things like that where you you there are plausible scenarios where you would regret not having them with a it's worth the cost separate issue point is that's one argument you can make is you know we we are becoming reliant on things where you know the old way of doing it is is more robust the other category is the what chris is talking about where it, there are things that actually secretly make you better at doing other things so handwriting we don't learn handwriting because we need to write things by hand we learn it because it has an impact on uh, the other skills that we have you know and and we learn mental arithmetic not because we need to but because it makes your brain better at you know for, uh, learning and spotting patterns and it just is the foundation of all the other stuff you need to learn uh, in maths you know um so that's the other it's sort of the incidental benefits element uh and then separately i think there's there's a, a you know the third category which is well actually it's just intrinsically better because not because it's easy but because it's hard and I would say handwritten, handwritten letters and greeting cards and things like that fall into that category where um, and, and things to, to a certain extent like make. Yeah. Like making tapes for someone now making someone a tape. I made tapes for billions of people in my life. Uh, sadly, obviously haven't done for about 12, 15 years. Um, and uh, the point is that it, it takes a long time to do that. You know, you sit mm. down and you have to record each song one by one. And then you give someone a tape and it means something you've, you've you've taken some care over it making them a spotify playlist is a is the work of five minutes um and you probably nicked it off someone else anyway it's uh, nowhere near as good it just isn't as good and it can't be because it's too easy so there you go there's my sort of three reasons why we might want to hang on to a particular relic so it all sounds a bit reactionary peter um what do you reckon well i think they're good criteria for judging whether or not you should keep hold of something um uh i noticed that none of them are just for nostalgic sense they're not the stake of nostalgia they're all they're all practical reasons um so if you can't find a practical reason then it's a good candidate for eliminating something i like i, I like nostalgia I, I i actually think that's also a and i think my third my third category the one about it's intrinsically better it's partly that it, it's partly that there is a value to things that are inefficient if if they are you know old and traditional i mean partly you know that letters and telegrams there's something nice about them because they're old technology you know yeah. um it, it's for the same reason that handmade things are better than mass-produced things even if the mass-produced things are better you know <laughs> um i don't think we should be ashamed of that no, yeah, I mean, it's, it's but it's the unquantifiability of it that's the, the that's an issue. Really, is the your your hand handcrafted um, object which could be mass produced by the millions of a, at a higher quality. Yeah, there's the, 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 there's something nice about it, but if well, if it's if it's a bit of it's a practical object, I'd rather have one that's less likely to break and one that's more likely to work um, than a. Uh, particularly the nicely handcrafted one um look I've, where do we go because we're we're pretty much at the end here we need to draw this to a conclusion um so how do we round this off who wants to sort of have a crack at you know summing it all up well in in support of the um of the the sort of um well i, I, I suppose in in support of conservatism with a with a small c um mm. you know what what i particularly rail against is I, I, you see, I'm I'm less emotional, uh, or, or 
maybe that's not true, but I, I, I think nostalgia um, has a has a purpose. I, I, I don't think it's just a, a, an emotional connection. I think that emotional connection exists for a reason, and that's because fundamentally conservatism has a point which is that the the, ge- the next generation always comes along and arrogantly chucks everything away and uh you know more often than not throws throws the baby out with the with the bathwater. so yeah, I, I, I yeah Sorry, exactly <laughs> but 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 um you know that we've we've talked you know um uh, at great length previously about things that um you know were were better under a previous system and so on um so yeah i th- i think for me the, the 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 reason really to um to think carefully about these these things is is not necessarily because it's it's nicer if something is handcrafted or more difficult to do i don't i don't care about that so much it's just simply functionally we'll be losing stuff because um because people won't have considered the the um you know the secondary effects of of a particular technology or process. Okay. okay, I do have a question which we could round up with. Yeah, go for it because I'm bored well, of my own he, question. Here it is. Uh, what post digital thing will our kids be nostalgic about? So, mm. what what are our kids in in when they're forty? What are they going to do? They're going to look back and say, "God, do you remember when?" I remember seeing that there was the uh, a joke a cartoon in private eye many years ago where a dad is talking to his son and saying oh in my day son we used to have to walk all the way to the tv to change channels and i just wondered if you know we're gonna if if there's gonna be what what are we gonna be nostalgic about mm. you know i think that's a really nice question um i i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna put my um stick my neck out here i'm gonna th- i think there's gonna be mobile phones in one sense or another i think you know people are gonna go do you remember how attached we were to our mobile phones that we used to step outside a, a tube station? Hey, do you remember those tube things? Um, and you'd get out your phone to sort of work out which way you were going to go um, rather than, and I think I've used this example before, rather than just blinking your eyes and it's there sort of, you know, in your cyborg mind kind of thing. I, th- I think somehow this sort of ubiquitous thing we have now of a mobile phone in your hand, I think we will still have some kind of communication device or something that does all the things that mobile phone does, but you don't hold it in your hand. That's that's uh, my prediction. I, I hoped, Fraser, you were going to go sort of in in the direction of my utopian vision, which is where we realised how damaging it was to have that ubiquitous technology with us, and we cast it away. Society realised like Butlerian jihad against mobile phones. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and on on the Butlerian jihad uh, um, uh, idea, I think mine uh, my thing that I think children will get nostalgic about uh, in you know forty years from now is um personal assistants and how how crap they are now you know i think basically the 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 gags when you you know you you ask it something and it totally garbles whatever it was you said or it doesn't Mm. know the answer to something straightforward you know i think they'll look back and say do you remember those quaint early versions of of uh of um personal assistance you know Mm. and they'll have that nostalgic conversation with their personal assistant yeah that's right. Yeah. How how stuck in the mud? I thought you were talking about actual personal assistants. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're, they're Batman. Yes. <laughs> okay. I like that. Uh, Peter or Nick? I think I think something along the lines of um, Do you remember the time when your battery would run out halfway through the day, or do you remember Do you remember how awful it was when you got no signal on your mobile phone? Mm. Um, 
so yeah. fairly sort of fundamental things i think we'll we'll just solve very very soon yeah do you, do you remember when we used to go on holiday to the to that house in norfolk where there was no mobile phone reception which would be our equivalent of looking back you know to to not be not not having a mobile phone at all yeah no i i, I mean my my kids are going to grow up with a with a memory of using of having dvds so you know we when we when we go in the car on long journeys they've got dvd players and that really is, I mean, we do watch DVDs if I've got the DVD of that film, but obviously we don't buy them anymore. And, um, and I, I think that, that, that may be, you know, they're sort of probably the last generation to, um, to, to experience owning media. Physical media. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, I was watching uh, on Amazon prime with my, um, my youngest daughter's about eight. Uh, and, um, uh, she, we, we were calling up the video and it, it's uh, the the film and it on there it says watch video now you can select you know do you want to watch it later or do you want to watch video now she was like what does that what does that mean watch video now so I then had to explain to her you know what a, what a video was and it reminded me of when I was about her age we were one of the first people I knew to get a video uh, mm. recorder um, and my dad loved these kinds of bits of technology brought it home and he was telling me what it did right as he was plugging it in and you know assembling it and so on and I was looking at it and he was saying you know so it plays you films and so on and I looked at the the little display where the where the clock is and I was like but we're never going to be able to see the the film on on that I thought that little <laughs> tiny display was where you would see the see the video. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That we, we, I don't think we've done one about about kind of fossilized words, but it, you know the, those sorts of um, w the words that hang over, like the word film. I mean, obviously, nothing's you know we haven't none of us watch films, but we still yeah. talk about films. Yeah. I think that's a whole podcast because there's a whole lot of iconography uh, to do with computers, which has got nothing to do with yeah, what it's actually. Yeah, the, like, and the 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 email icon is often an envelope, the, the little phone phones that yeah. look like phones rather than like uh, mobile phones. And I hope when she was asking Chris about what video is, I hope you sort of went into a little detour on Latin and all that kind of thing. Um, okay, so uh, nice. Uh, let's wrap up there. Um, thank you, um, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrewer. We've been here with Chris Ragg, Peter Coghill, and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Mm -hmm.